Hi, everybody. This is Randy Beamer. Thanks for listening to San Antonio's Voice Podcast. Talk about all kinds of things throughout San Antonio and South Texas. Interesting one today, definitely in the news. Uh, Max Lucado, who is holding some prayer services. He held one last weekend, going to hold another one this weekend. That'll be a little different. And joining us as well, our assignments editor, Sal Del Cid. Sal? Hey, Randy. Good to be with you. Yeah, he kind of got into some hot water over some of the comments he made at last weekend's event. And I thought his explanation to you was pretty interesting. He's obviously a very good listen. Anyway, please do give it a listen. Give us a high rating if you wouldn't mind, and we'd love it if you would subscribe. Uh, Lucado's interview with you, Randy, was probably one of the best ones yet. Yeah, I think so. And when you talked about hot water, he talked about racism in the church and in the past and apologized for that. And then he explained what he meant by that, what he didn't mean by that, and also how different this Pray Essay service is going to be than the one last week. They're going to have a different focus. And it's going to be at uh, Freeman Coliseum. Again, explain what it is, where it is. We talked about all kinds of things, including the history of his preaching. He's one of the best-known, not just preachers here, but Christian authors, really, in the country. And I think you'll enjoy it. This is Max Licato and San Antonio's Voice, the podcast. First of all, thank you very much for doing this. We really appreciate it. This is an unusual time for everyone. How did you get the idea for the special prey essay? I guess you call them that, right? How did you get the idea for that? Yeah, you're absolutely... Thank you, Randy, by the way. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. My old neighbors. Old neighbors, that's right. Old neighbors, yeah. We we live in a day that the the world is worried and weary and wounded. Those are the words I keep using. Uh, We're worried about the pandemic. We're weary uh, because we don't know when the end is going to come. And we're wounded, and we're wounded by relationship issues and racism issues and uh so it's just a mess it's just a mess it's just a mess i did read that calls to uh online uh help centers or mental health call-in uh type programs are up 900 times what they were this time last year and and so it doesn't it didn't surprise me to read that but i guess the number did so it's i'd say all that to say you're absolutely right It's it's a tough time um and so I'm a, I meet with a group of people uh, on Sunday afternoons for prayer. It's just a prayer group, and we, we, uh, we pray about a variety of things. And it's a delightful just gathering of, of folks. And one of them, uh, one of the gentlemen, a super nice guy named Robert, a carpenter, uh, he's just a simple, good-hearted fella. He said, I think we need to get the whole city together and pray. And that's really where this started. It is it starts how it started, uh, and I I, I I know a lot of pastors around the city. I've been here so long, uh, so I reached out to a, an organization called Unicity, U N I C I T I, and unite the city. You know, is the idea, and uh, boy, they jumped right on it. They did, Randy, and within. Uh, the, from the first call, the Zoom call that we're all doing these days, to last Sunday, it was 52 days that the whole thing came together. So it was really one of those unique uh, opportunities that fit the need. The team came together, and uh, and it came. And it was really a why, blessing. Why the whole city, and what did you want to pray about? What did you want to focus on? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we, we wanted to uh, bring the whole city together uh, because the whole city is hurting so much. Now, w what happened, is you well know, uh, at the very time we're wrestling with the pandemic, the George Floyd murder happened. And uh, uh, that, that involved me real personally, Randy, because uh, I felt that uh, I had not been responsive to uh, the issue of racism as a pastor. Uh, and there's a group of, of African-American pastors that meet on Fridays, uh, probably 25 or 30, uh, on the east side. And, and I heard about them, and I, and I said, you mind if I come and just hang out with you and listen? I want to learn more. And so over a period of about 30 or 40 days, I, I was in on maybe 20 conversations. And Randy, boy, I learned a lot. I really did. And I realized that, uh, that uh, there's, there's, some, there's some trauma that was really deep. Really deep. I had just never understood what it's like to be a black man today. Uh, as, I, as one of them described uh, how he gets up in the morning, a successful lawyer, but he gets up and he has to decide what kind of clothing he's going to wear depending upon the judge he's going to stand before. Another person said, I have to really watch my dialect, you know, because I can trigger in certain groups uh, a reaction if I talk uh, a certain way, and, and, and so probably half a dozen examples like that. And then a few of them talked about experiences they had had. One of them talked about as a, as a young man, as a five-year-old, his, his father was pulled over for speeding, and then got, his father got beat up, and he and his father were left on the side of the road, and, and he still remembers it. So all, these stories, Randy, became a part of my thought process. Uh, and as we set up this time of prayer, I realized, but well, wait, I, or at least I thought the Lord was really leading us to pray about this, to pray about this. And so I shared that idea with all the people uh, who are organizing the pray essay, and there was uh, unanimity, yeah, that, that, that this needs to be prayed about. Well, now, when you said you hadn't been responsive, what does that mean? People might think, well... It's not, I don't want to say it's not your responsibility, but what had you done or not done that yeah, you felt? Yeah, great question, great question. Well, um, you know, one of my friends says it's not enough to not be racist. We need to be anti-racist, and uh, that's, that's true, that's true. And I don't think I have been anti-racist. I think I would not have called myself a racist, uh, but I don't think I've defended, defended. I... I, I the image came to my mind like this, Randy. Uh, suppose there were two or three hundred people in my church who showed up every Sunday with bruises all over their faces. I would do something about that. I would say, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? What I've come to see is that many people are going through life with bruises all over their faces. And, and, and it has to do with this ancient uh, plague in our culture that is so hard for us to talk about these days because it's gotten so politicized these days uh, that, uh, that, I, that I think I, many people have been showing up in our church with bruises, and I've just not known it. I've not acknowledged it. I haven't reached out to them. Uh, we've coexisted, and rather than try to pastor or help or defend or speak into that, 
I've been, uh, I've had my uh, head in the sand. And well, I want to do better. I you have a diverse, better. you know, not, your north side, but you maybe really. you, you I, don't. I, I couldn't say that, uh, I, I couldn't say that we have a strong, uh, not nearly as much of a representation of the African-American culture in our church as I would hope. I would hope, and that's a good question. Why? But some people have said that, you know, Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, whatever it is, yeah. is the most segregated time in America, yeah. just historically, because we stay in our own yeah. bubbles. And I've talked with black preachers on the east side 30 years ago, talking about how when people grew up from that neighborhood, they moved out to the north side, they moved elsewhere, but they still go back uh-huh. to their home uh-huh. church. Uh-huh. Do you find that, that it's that it's harder to make inroads with some people just because of the history of churches. You think about, um, and, and, yes, and, and so... In terms of recruiting, it, I guess you'd yes, say, or, yes, or bringing people absolutely. to your church. Here, here's where, here's where I, I step into the conversation. I don't know what to do politically, Randy. I really don't. God bless our politicians. I really don't know what to do. Uh, I think ecclesiastical, Ecclesiologically, that's a hard word. Church-wise, church-wise, I do think that we have not fully repented of the tragedy of about a hundred years in which blacks were not welcome in a white church. We've not truly repented of that. We've not said to them, "We're sorry." We're we just not done it. We said it was wrong, but we've not said we're sorry. Now. I can hear my friends saying, well, Max, I didn't have anything to do with that. I had nothing to do with that. I heard that on the radio after yeah. Yeah. they quoted you, used your quote, and then said, well, that, doesn't, that, that wasn't me. You can't me. apologize That was my parents. That was my grandparents. Right. I get that. I get that. And, and the explanation I'm about to give you is going to cause some people to kind of really roll their eyes. Okay? So I'll just prepare you. Okay? The Bible talks about principalities and powers and strongholds. And it has to do with the work of the devil. It has to do with the work of the devil. Again, so a secularist hearing what I'm saying is going, okay, I've dismissed Locato. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, for, for people who, who adhere to the Bible, they, they would agree. There is much talk in the Bible about principalities and strongholds. The Apostle Paul is really clear. He said our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the principalities and rulers of this present darkness. That's right out of the book of Ephesians. What he's talking about there, at least from my perspective, is that, uh, is that there is a devil, and this devil gets strongholds. He gets a stronghold. And, it has, and to deal with it, we have to do three things. We have to repent of it. We have to repent. We have to uh, remove it. And then we have to replace it. If I'm talking to somebody, Randy, about uh, some type of addiction issue, okay, uh, I'll walk them through those three steps. I'll say, you know, we get, you, would you be willing to repent? Would you be willing to say, it's wrong that I'm getting drunk every day? Would you agree with that? That's an important step. You know, AA does that, right? Okay. Would you be willing to remove it? Would you, would you say, okay, Lord, I want you to take that out of my life. I want, I want to take it out of my life. And would you be willing to replace it, replace it with some healthy activity like AA or, or something like that? So I'm not inventing anything here. This is a simple process that we use. So uh, for the sin of racism that's in the church, 
It's my belief that the church has to repent. Even though we welcome blacks in our church, and I could walk into any African-American church and be received, but it's in our history. And so the blacks of our day need to hear Max, a white pastor, say, that was wrong, that was wrong. That's part of the repentance, part of the repentance. Even though it wasn't your generation or exactly. you specifically. Exactly, because silence can be construed as uh, acceptance, tolerance, tolerance. tolerance. When, a, when a 21-year-old black man, uh, you know, has spent all of his life going to schools, looking in history books, in which he sees pictures of uh, slave owners going to a church, and up in the balcony, there's the blacks. And he's seen that in his you know, fifth grade. He saw it in middle school. He saw it in high school. even saw it in a movie. And never once, never once did he hear a white pastor say, that was wrong. Then he's going to justifiably question whether the whites really think that was wrong. So that's all part of repentance, Randy. That's all part of repentance. And you see that as the first step here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you must then see the other. Yeah, yeah, step. yeah, yeah. And, and, and so part of, of we repent and, and then we remove. We remove. So the removal process is long and painful. Uh, it involves conversations. It involves what I'll do tomorrow. I'll go meet with about half a dozen. I won't go physically anymore. <laughs> I'll get on a Zoom call with maybe 18 or 20 uh, African-American pastors. We've committed to keep talking about this, keep talking, till we can figure out what to do, till we can figure out what to do. Uh, I, I can't speak for them, but they don't like what's happening in cities any more than I do. So we're trying to find a better plan. So we're trying to remove it, remove it. In other words, deal with it. And then we want to replace it. Uh, our, our vision, or my desire, is that there would come a time in which uh, our churches are more, if God leads, more interracial. You, I really would think that. Now, Randy, some of that happens just because, <laughs> to be quite honest, uh, the, the, the music styles are different, the preaching style is different, and we acknowledge that, and that's okay, that's okay. But if there's ever a cause for that because of uh, racism, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. How about, uh, well, when you talk about the history of it, as you grew up in the church, what was your experience? And, and why would you want to repent personally for anything? Did you grow up in a church as you look back and said, well, we, we were not welcoming? I grew up in West Texas, and West Texas, uh, my small West Texas town is not characteristic of America because uh, the African-American population was so small. But the Hispanic population was about 40% of our city. And, and God bless our little church, two or three hundred member church. No, I don't recall any Hispanics in our church. I don't. I do recall... Uh, good men in our church, leaders in our church, who had no problem using terms like wetback, uh, Mexicans in a derogatory way. It was just the way business was run. Accepted. It was accepted. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not. That was wrong. That was wrong. And we're talking decades ago. 
we're talking, yeah, 1960s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. And that was wrong. So I think, Randy, again, this for somebody who's a secularist, they say, Lakato, you're getting off in flaky stuff here. No, but I think as a, as a Bible believer that I need to repent of that. I need, to, I need to pretty well just announce to the spiritual forces that that was wrong and you don't have that stronghold over us anymore. And I have repented of that personally. And I, I, think, I think breakthroughs can happen when we do that. Some people I, I heard on talk radio after they played uh, some of what you had the other day said, well, you're putting a lot of guilt, or I don't know if they said a lot, you're putting guilt on people or should making them feel guilty for what they had yeah. nothing to do with. Yeah. What would you say to yeah. that? Yeah, and, and, and again, that's certainly not my intent. Uh, there's enough guilt in the world that we don't need any more. The last thing that I want to do is make people feel guilty. Uh, my intent was to speak to that 21-year-old black man who needs to hear a white pastor agree that two or 300 years of inappropriate behavior inside a church was wrong. And so I guess I'm willing to risk somebody feeling some guilt. I guess I am for the sake of that, for the sake of that person. Uh, as I was praying that prayer, Randy, the reason I keep saying 21-year-old black man, uh, as I was praying that prayer, I, I lifted up my eyes, and there, probably 30 feet from me, standing was a young black man and a young white woman. So beautiful, they could have been on the cover of a magazine. He looked athletic, you know, and she was just drop-dead beauty. Uh, I don't know if they were married, boyfriend or girlfriend, brother and sister. I don't know. I never met them. I never met them. But they were mesmerized by that moment. They stood in the blazing heat. It was 100 degrees. Everybody else was in their car. They had gotten out of their car. And they were trying to get as close as they could to that moment without coming up on the platform. And they were just stone statue still. They did not budge for 20 minutes. I, I, I don't want to read too much into that. But I'm thinking, they're thinking... Okay, this is what I needed to hear. This is what I needed to hear. How do you describe what that prayer service is like and what this one will be yeah. Sunday? Thank you for asking that because this Sunday's different. This Sunday is different. Yeah. Yeah, I've had people say, uh, that was pretty heavy last week. <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, it was. It was. This Sunday could be equally heavy. I don't know. But this Sunday, we're going to, uh, having, having uh, talked about repentance and having tried to repent, we're going to move into that removal and to that replacing. Uh, but we're going to be praying over uh, things like uh, job uncertainty, uh, specifically the, the COVID crisis. We're going to pray about families and broken families. Uh, we're going to pray about addictions uh, because addictions are on the increase. I've enlisted four good men uh, to help lead these prayers. Uh, I've also, we've also created what I think is so fun, and that is a, an opportunity for people to call and pray with somebody from their car or from wherever they are, you know, around the world who are tuning in online. And we have about 60 people in a phone bank, in a phone bank that's typically used for other purposes that we've requisitioned for Sunday evening. And uh, if anybody wants to call and say, I just need prayer for, I need prayer about, 
uh, that opportunity will be made available. And then the other thing is, a, this is really cool, a drive-through prayer. We, we've got this opportunity. I think they're putting up a canopy. But if you want to drive your car under this canopy or into this drive-through area, there will be a group of prayer leaders and pastors. You don't have to lower your window at all. You might even hold up a sign that says, pray for this. Or if you just want to be prayed for, take your family, drive through that area there at Freeman County Coliseum, and, and you'll be prayed for. And uh, what, uh, who was this aimed at? I mean, I know you had a lot of publicity across the, the city. And why did you need feel the need to get together? Because a lot of churches like this one here hadn't gotten together yeah. <clears throat> physically yeah. before last week. Um, do you think it's time people got back together or just uh, do you feel that need when this Yes, sir. That's service? a great question. And I think the answer to that has to do with emotional health. Uh, people have uh, been separated from any source, from many sources, not from any, but from many sources of, of spiritual and emotional health that they have depended on. They've come to depend upon having some time in a church service or, or being prayed for. They've come to ex- to depend on that. And, and they uh, were separated from it. And so uh, when we first uh, wrestled with this idea of how could we pray for our city, uh, uh, someone suggested this. Uh, somebody in our group said, well, let's just get a parking lot. And of all things, uh, yeah, I told you I've been meeting on Fridays with uh, African-American pastors. Uh, one of the guests one day was Tommy Calvert, who's our county commissioner, and he gave a talk. And he said, I sat next to him, and I said, hey, uh, we've had this idea of bouncing around. How, how, any chance we could use Freeman County Coliseum? He said, that's my jurisdiction. I can make that happen. So it, it, that's how we ended up there. We thought maybe doing it at Freeman County Coliseum would be better than a church because people are hesitant to go to a church. You know, so a little more of a neutral location. And east side? East side was perfect. Um, what did the group turn out like? What kind of <clears throat> demographic or di- well, diversity? That, I, I don't know if I could. It's so hard to see, Randy. I was right. up on the platform, and it, you know, a lot of people were still in their cars. So I, I don't think I could answer that. I mean, I, I could see pockets of people standing. I saw a lot of people with their sunroofs standing up through the sunroof. <laughs> But I don't know if I could tell you what the... And you also had more than 20,000, I understand, yes, sir. online. Online, <clears throat> online, that was a... a Do you see response. this uh, as something that will continue? continue? Uh, I don't have the leading from the Lord yet on that, you know. Uh, I'm sure open to it. Uh, but what was really clear is that we should do these two. Uh, and then and then revisit it. Now I had seen uh, some of the publicity about it before that it wasn't sermons right. per se. Right. Uh, it was prayers. How did how did it work? What can they expect? Yeah. Although people last might think week, that's what, Max Lucado. How do you not well, have a sermon? Well, Brother Dorian, who who's leading a prayer, he did start preaching, and <laughs> but it was a good word. It was a good word. Uh, and in your prayer, there is also yes, sir. a sermon as yes, well. Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this week. Uh, this week we have a, a brother to play, pray in Spanish, a brother who speaks both Spanish and English. We have uh, Brother Dorian, a wonderful African-American pastor, and we have myself. And uh, our plan is to take those four topics, Randy, that we discussed, uh, and, and, and assign 
each one of us will take one and we will lead whoever comes. I don't know how many people will come or if anyone will come, but whoever's there will lead them through this a prayer about that topic. And we'll just say, Lord, can you bring healing to families? Or Lord, here's a, here, a lot of people are out of work right now or they're worried about their jobs. Could you please help them? We'll remind people if they want to call in that they could call and pray with someone personally. Uh, we'll read some scriptures about not worrying and, and try to minister to people in that way. Do you feel and, like it was a success, what you had hoped to do, and and the re, uh, you know the responses that you got? How, yes, sir. What yeah. kind of response? We, we, we decided early on that success would be obedience. We just felt like we were supposed to do it. Had absolutely no clue if anyone would come or how many would come. Uh, and uh, we were prepared, really, for 2,000 cards. We had 1,000 cards. Uh, the online was far greater than we imagined it would be, but we didn't know what to expect. So I, I, I would say we were, real, we were very pleased that we did it. Do you look back into some of the history, even before you got to San Antonio, where there has been a faith community that has come together more than yeah. other cities? Like even back into the 60s and 70s, and we... San Antonio, I say we integrated the lunch counters, which has been in the news in the last couple of years, peacefully, as opposed to everybody else in the South, the first integrated peacefully, uh, from Archbishop Lucy and, and yeah. some of the people and, and Buckner Fanning and yeah. people getting together yeah. and the uh, Archbishop Flores. Do you see this as, a, what as a the next step question. in the continuum? What a great question. I've always been interested, Randy, in the uniqueness of our city because we're founded on missions. Okay, and and so our our ancestry is that of prayer, and uh, our our city exists because godly men and women wanted to create a, a safe place for people to come in out of the wilderness, if you will, to have a safe place to either to rest and worship or both. And uh, I I love that heritage. I love that. You'll be surprised. I love that heritage, and I love our our Catholic brethren. I spoke to the Archbishop last week about this event. He gave it his blessing. He couldn't attend. He was going to be out of town. Uh, but I love I love our heritage. So all that to say, yes, I think we are a unique city. And yes, I do think that we, we stand on the prayers of those who have gone before. I got a text from Mike Fanning, Buckner's son, uh, right after the event. He Mike watched online. He said, there's a man in heaven standing up saying, go, 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 <laughs> talking about Buckner. And what a good man he was. How about now, you do uh, books that I understand that have come out of sermons, and that was uh, one of the things you do in January and February, is that right? Yeah, and, usually, usually. And now yeah. do you see books coming out of this? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have any plans for that. Uh, I, I do still continue writing a lot. I'm writing a, a book right now, and um, but I don't I don't see a mess a book right now that would come out of this event. Not necessarily, no. Although there's a lot of interest in it, uh, I've, I've had calls from pastors around the country saying, "How could we do?" So? I, I'm sorry, I've not had calls, but people in our group have had calls and saying, "How could we do this? Would would you guys help us?" Uh, consult uh, or advise us in how to do something like this. So, so maybe this will be a. I, I know there's a group in Portland, uh, Randy, which is just, wow, boy, they're getting beat up, you know, and and there's a group in Portland 
calling, calling themselves praise, not protest. And they're doing a similar thing. Uh, it, it's a hard day in which to... And now your book that's coming out, I guess, right now, is already out. You Are Not Alone. Is you Are that, Not Alone, yeah. Is that related to this anyway, or you were just It didn't already... start out to be, but you know, I finished it in the quarantine. Uh, I started it in the fall, and I finished it during March and April and May, so I was in the thick of it, in the thick of it. Did it change then? Does it did, happen? it did. Uh, I, I, uh, the, the idea of being isolated, being cut off, being feeling all alone, uh, I, I went back in during those months found some fascinating research, Randy, about how lonely people are, how lonely people are. There's a a hospital in Dallas that was trying to unclog their ER system, and they were trying to figure out why why they have so many people coming in. This was pre-pandemic. And they determined that it wasn't a variety of people coming, but they had about 90 repeat customers who would come in about once a week. And so they isolated these 90 people and found out that really it was loneliness. They, they, they lived isolated lives. When they came into an ER, they got attention. People talked to them, asked them how they were. And they just found the ER to be their only source of affirmation and comfort. So that, it's just an indication that we live in a lonely day. People also would wonder, how is your ministry right now. I mean, you're uh, one of the best-known preachers in San Antonio a long time, and you kind of stepped back. You're a teaching minister now. They have been for, for couple years. Of years yeah. what, what are you, what's your schedule like these yeah, days? Yeah, I, I do keep really busy. I preach 20 times a year at least here at the church. We have a wonderful senior pastor. Uh, he's, he's 20 years my junior, so it's hard to call him my senior. But he's, he, the church is in great hands with Travis Eads. But, but I do preach about 20 times a year, which uh, allows me to do what I love to do, and that's to preach. And then out of those sermons, I still write, uh, I still write a book a year. I, do, I have a pretty uh, robust online ministry, Randy. I'm on almost every day. Uh, it, well, yeah, three or four times a week. Uh, podcast. Yeah, I'll do a podcast. So I, I've got enough that uh, my wife says it's time for us to unplug and go on a vacation. Well, you're, yeah. Do you do that? Are you about retirement age? Some people would wonder. You, you know, you've done a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm. I'm healthy. I love what I do. Uh, I, I, I don't see myself. Uh, I'd like to slow it down. When the pandemic really ramped everything up, it really did. Uh, but when the Lord brings healing for this and brings a vaccine and things return to whatever normal is going to be like, as you know, we don't know, I, I do hope to, to slow it down a little bit. How about within the church? It's just like within parents wanting to go back to school. Division on people wanting to come back to the sanctuary, wanting to go back to the classroom. What do you tell people about what it's like here and what you would like them to understand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, again, I'm not involved. I'm not responsible to make that decision. Uh, I, I, I love our guys, our team, and I think they. Well, I know they meet almost every day trying to make the right decision. It is very complex. It is very complex. What I tell people is, it's one thing for a, a church of a hundred, a hundred and fifty people. It's another thing for a church of six or seven thousand people, like we are. Okay. Uh, 
a church of a hundred. So people say, hey, I hear about little such and such church up in the hill country. They've been meeting all along. It's, it, it's different. It's different. Uh, we have greeters uh, who are cautious. They don't really want to greet people, right? Uh, we have uh, uh, people that we don't know. I mean, people, if we announced that we were going to have a church service, people would come in from all parts of the country to attend the worship service. So how do you manage that? in a high-profile church. We don't want to stand at the door and say, no, you can't come in, you can't come in. So those are some of the things that our team, God bless them, they're trying to sort through. They want to start meeting in person as much as anybody, but they want to do it when it's when we know how to do so safely. And as well as the uh, prayer service over the weekend at Freeman, you had a service here that was also drive Yes, sir. Up. And it was well attended. We, it was well attended. And we did everything according to uh, COVID protocol. Is that going to be a regular thing? I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I bet it will because, uh, because it was well attended. Did it seem like when you're together at Freeman and at here that it, it was different than online? And how, how different was it from online compared to being in the sanctuary? Was it somewhere in the middle? Was it... At it, least you were together, especially there, after there this was, long time. There was, it, 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 at Freeman and here, there was a joy, a joy uh, in, the, in the response of the people. There was a joy. Uh, I, I think there's a joy when they come, you know, to a regular worship service pre-pandemic. But what I saw on Sunday was a joy that I had not seen in a long time. Yeah, people... I saw people jumping up and down, Randy. I saw people just running around their cars. I, I don't know. I don't want to get say it was too. It wasn't odd. I think they were just exuberant. They were saying, okay, I've had so much bad news for so long. Every time I turn on the television or every time I get online, it's more bad news. There's arguments. There's po- politicizing. Finally, here's a place I can go and, and just just talk about God. We had some beautiful music listen to music or sing songs and pray. And I think that was a great relief. And politics. You said you wanted to stay away from them as much as possible. But there's always interpretation. There is. There is. And and, and even uh, the prayer of repentance for racism, I I did have some people say, you said you weren't going to get into politics, and you did. And and I guess that just depends on how you define politics. So I apologize. I don't want to leave that impression with people. uh, I was trying to focus on what happened, has happened in the church, uh, not so much what happens in public policy, okay? And so, but I do sincerely apologize. I, I, I miscommunicated. Maybe I shouldn't have said we won't get into politics because it's hard for people to hear about racism and not think about politics. And one last question. When you talk about, especially this week, politics, there is... Uh, a woman of color that's on a ticket for a major party for the first time. And also there are, you talked about brethren in the church that are going to get together and preach this Saturday or pray. People might think, well, why aren't there women in that? And decades from now are, are your successors going to say, we apologize for not having women more in the church. We had more women praying last Sunday than we did men. It, it just so happened that these were the people available. We kind of turned to the team and said, who wants to be in the prayer phone, the, the, the phone pool? Who wants to be a part of uh, 
setting up tables, and uh, and then who wants to stand on the platform and pray? It really was not a gender decision. I could see how somebody might say that, uh, but last week it, we we <laughs> we had some really robust prayers offered by some beautiful women. And in terms beautiful of, spiritually, I'm not in talking terms about of beautiful. the church in the past compared to what it is now. Would you like to have seen more women? I, 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 mean, I would. Of... I would. I would. That's an ongoing conversation in, in a lot of churches. Uh, I'm, I'm personally uh, wishing, and, and I think that uh, there's a great, a good chance that that my children will someday say, you know, Dad, Dad, you could have been more aggressive on this. Yeah, you could have. They could. We've had great conversations about it. Uh, one of my daughters uh, is does a lot of preaching at her church, and I'm proud of her. Uh, two of my daughters do a lot of preaching. One does more than the other at her church, and uh, so they know how I feel about it. And uh, did they get the gene? <laughs> two of the three did. Yeah. Two of the three did. One of them would not like to preach at all, but uh, they're both good good communicators. And you still like to preach. I mean that's still something that it I'm is, sure Randy. In your it heart. is. It is. Thank you. I, I do. I, I don't think I do a lot of things well, but that one thing I kind of get, and so I, I, I love it. And uh, I, I, uh, my wife would not want me preaching somewhere every weekend because she's ready for us to slow down. But on the weekends I don't preach. I miss it. I miss it. And how about uh, a last quick question or two? Yep. What can people expect this weekend? Where should they go? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it really does help. PraySA.org. PraySA.org is where they go to register, or that's where they go to watch online. And and the only reason we're asking people to register cars is in case there were more than 2,000 cars. I don't, I kind of doubt there will be. There wasn't last week, but we didn't know what to expect. And if there are more than 2,000 cars, then we can alert people. Hey, it's full. You don't, don't. Don't make that long drive over here. So that's the only reason. And they can listen then at, was it 93.9? Yes, sir. And yes, does sir. that go throughout the city or is it that does. pretty much there? It does. It goes throughout the city. Uh, and, and also there is a Spanish uh, broadcast, but I forgot the numbers on that. But that's all of all that information is at PraySA.org. And they can watch at PraySA.org. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can find out more information about you at, is it Max Lucado? Dot com. Yeah. Uh, what else haven't I asked you about that people come up to you? and what, what kind of questions did you get last weekend? Hey, wow, Max Lucado question. <laughs> and that is? Uh, you did it about the books more or the preaching? Because you're um, millions. Uh, 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 yeah, a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think the books more. I think the books more. People want to know what if I'm writing another book, what the next book is going to be, and um, and so we always talk about that. We always you talk about that. that you're writing a book, which so yeah, ask that question. yeah, What's yeah. So well, okay. So uh, the book I'm working on right now, right now, is uh, on the Holy Spirit. It's on the Holy Spirit, and it's just been so much fun to write. Did it come up? Because of because the pandemic? I, because, no, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It predates the pandemic. Uh, it, it, comes, uh, it came up because uh, it dawned on me that in 30 years of preaching, I had never 
dedicated a series of sermons to the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I kind of had a wake-up call. I said, how does that happen? And so I wanted to do it, and I, I fell in love with uh, the Spirit and what He does. And so I, I turned that into a book. So that'll be a book for 2021, 2021. And so, the people that come to your service here, your books, the prayer service on Sunday, how much do they need to know about religion none, or none. the Bible? Yeah, what a great question. Because a lot of, I have been asked, I don't go to church. I even had a guy say, I don't believe in God. Should I go to this prayer gathering? And I said, uh, yes, please come, please come. You're not going to be preached at or beat up on. It's for all people. It's for all people. It's, it's a Christian gathering in terms of we'll be praying prayers that are based in the Christian belief. But all people are welcome. All people are welcome. And we're not trying. It's not, uh, you know, it's, I, I can't think of anything that would cause a person to feel uncomfortable, especially in this. I mean, they can sit there in their car. They can drink a martini for all I know, you know, and, and have a cigar. It's a perfect church service for somebody. Not, uh, not proselytizing. No, sir. No, okay. sir. No. Well, thank you very much, Max Lucado. We really appreciate all your time. And, and good luck with with that and uh, prayessay.org. Prayessay.org, yeah. yeah. Thanks.